Hi, this is C. Travis Webb, editor of The American Age, and this is a reminder that this week's podcast is a direct continuation of last week's uh, 111. Um, we had a long conversation that day and split it into two parts. So this conversation is going to pick right back up from uh, the last podcast, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. So the question I have for you is, so do your television shows or movies follow the same trajectory as you were sweeping up trash at Disneyland, a way to, no, okay, so I want to say it that way. I want to say that do your cultural, does your cultural diet reflect some of the earlier ways in which you were distracting yourself, meaning that you wanted something sort of meaningful as opposed to something, the Kardashians or something else, or does it all fit in your uh, space and you, you parse it as an intellectual exercise? You know what? You know, that is a great actually, it's a very helpful question. So when I was a kid, like young, like 10, 11, I used to love to watch the show 30 something. Mm. Um, And I definitely as a kid really liked watching adult shows. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't mean, you know, pornography. No, I mean, no, I tried to, I tried to watch that, but, you know, but, right. but I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, adult as in, you know, like 30 something or, uh, that's the one that sticks with me. Um, but there were other shows like that, that I'm sure I must've picked up stuff that way too, because, you know, the people writing those shows have all gone to have all been shaped by literature and have, you know, gone to big schools and, you know, want to sneak in their learnedness into those shows and things like that. So I, I suspect it would have come in that way too. Yeah. I didn't really think about that. But yeah. I was wondering if a brain like yours or just people who are interested in ideas, it doesn't matter what they watch. So it's not a, Oh, I don't watch that. It's like, it's also, it's just another space to exercise and think about the impact of these things in American culture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I hate that artificial um, line for me is, oh, we only watch stuff like this and I only read books. Oh, I'm no, like, and I'm not that way at all. Yeah, yeah no, no, definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was curious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel snobby about the stuff that I like or the stuff I don't like. I just, <laughs> you know, just whatever. So yeah, so th- those are great. Those are both uh, really helpful questions. Actually, I don't, I don't, I don't tend to think about things like that um, when it comes to myself. I mean, not in a, not in a selfless way, but it's just when I'm introspecting, that's just not the direction my thoughts go. So, so, so there's a way in which we have a lot in common, Travis, um, in that. I remember specifically there was a there was a moment not so much when I thought I want to be part of an intellectual community but there was a part of there's a point very identifiable point for me in which I knew that I was a different kind of human being from the ones around mm-hmm. me and that mm-hmm. was when I was about 16 and like you I was really really shy um in fact I only think I've only in the last few years come into a, pl- a, a place of real confidence about myself um Mm -hmm. and i think that has everything to do with a certain kind of success in my career but when i was a kid i was very very self-conscious and terribly awkward around girls Mm -hmm. very interested in girls had no idea what to say to them Mm -hmm. and i think it was yeah, I was 16 and I had gone on a date and I don't, I don't remember the girl's name. I don't remember what we tried to do or what I wanted to do. But I remember, and it was probably as simple a thing as the kind of, you know, girls play games at that, at those ages. So she may have mm-hmm. just teased me uh, about something or 
mock um, made fun of something that was important to me or whatever. But mm-hmm. I remember coming mm-hmm. home and feeling extremely hurt and like mm-hmm. feeling like damaged, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just like I'd been, you know, thrown from a moving car, just bruised. And I picked up a book off my mom's shelf. And I think the only reason she had this book in the house, because my mom and my mother and my father never talked about literature ever or poetry mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. The only thing they talked about was the Bible. Um, in that that's sort literature. Of vein, right. Right. It right. is a kind of literature. Yeah. Yeah. But only the Bible. Um, and, and they didn't talk about it as literature, right? They, they talked no, about it as, the, as, yeah, as God's truth. As, right? as revelation truth. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I picked up this book and it was Sylvia Plath. It was um, Ariel. And I think the only reason my mother had it was that she had gone to Hunter College for a nursing degree, but she had to take like survey courses along the way. Mm-hmm. So she had Sylvia Plath, Ariel. And I remember opening up the book and, and reading a fever 103 degrees and thinking, oh my God, this is exactly what I feel. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is exactly my state of being in this moment. When she says, um, your body hurts me like the world hurts God. Mm. I am a lantern, my head, a moon of Japanese paper, my gold beaten skin, infinitely delicate and infinitely expensive. Does not my heat astound you and my light? Like Mm. she, like she, I felt like she was writing me, right? Mm -hmm. And there was something sort of exultant and powerful and right about Mm -hmm. that poem for me. And I think that was the start. That was the moment when I thought, oh, there are these other people in the world who feel similarly, right? Mm-hmm. And who are able to express how they feel yeah. in these ways that are really resonant and powerful. And they could actually make a life from doing Like the, the, the fact that they could make a life from doing it didn't really occur to me until many years later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that they could do it at all was a moment of revelation for me. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment when I thought, oh, I need to just, I need to just spend time with these people, whatever, mm-hmm. whoever these people, I need to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. W- was your relationship uh, in terms of being 16, I'm sorry, Travis, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 please, please. Where, um, when you were 16, you were attending, um, Hunter at the time? No, no, my mom. My mom was at was attending Hunter to get a nursing degree. I was in some like fucked up Christian school, which is a really mm. bad education. But I was a very smart student anyway. So anyway, yeah, well, I misspoke. Well. I was thinking about Long Island University where you met oh. um, Mingus and um, yeah. Lawrence and Lawrence. Yeah, so and that their, was their that was intellectual 17. sensibilities and how mm-hmm. my because Mingus is kind of a reader, but Lawrence mm-hmm. was, is a reader. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so I wondered mm-hmm. how that relationship, the dynamics of that relationship and how it shaped your sensibility. Well, I think Mingus more shaped my sensibility in being just a very sort of, well, he, he's, he's a less rigorous intellectual thinker than Lawrence or I, but he's funnier and he has real, a real world kind of like grasp of things in the moment. Right? I completely agree with that. Yeah, like really mm-hmm. intuitive, smart grasp of things in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so that affected me in that it made me, it made me, 
I think my relationship with Mingus has helped me, has sensitized me to being just more aware of like what's going on around me right now and being able to speak to that. Not, what's the word? Not using euphemism, right? But being, being mm. able to say, oh, this is what's happening right now. Yes. Mm. Right? Like he cuts through euphemism and I love that about him. I mean, Lawrence has always been a really rigorous thinker and I think being around him, and we used to do these things where we would, and it's less, we do less now because we don't have that much time in our lives for it, but we would have these really, really rigorous arguments where we would say, like, I'd say something, like, I'd say something like, uh, something about, um, well, this only happened because of the invention of money. And he would say something opposing that. And we would have these long conversations that would last like 30, 40 minutes, an hour, where we just bat things back and forth. And I would, and I remember thinking, when we did that, it felt like I was honing a blade. It felt mm. like I was getting sharper and sharper by rubbing up my ideas against someone who was informed and was a rigorous thinker mm. and wouldn't take bullshit. Mm. He wouldn't take bullshit. Mm. My experience of him in that is that what Lawrence would do, he would jump on the op- opposing side. Right. As an intellectual exercise. In right. some cases, he had no dog in either fight. Right. He just right. didn't care, but he was a great thinker. Do you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Or someone who had more passion and more of, of investment in their position. They mm-hmm. ring differently, like a Mingus. Mm-hmm. They were just different mm-hmm. to me that way. Mm-hmm. Lawrence, I was like, mm-hmm. you don't have a dog in this fight. So sometimes I feel like your intellectual, it's just an exercise for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, for our listeners who are most that don't know who Lawrence and Mingus are, <laughs> these are, these are, well, no, no, and these are close friends of Seth and Stevens, um, and they've known them for many, many years. I've met Lawrence, I've never actually met Mingus, although right. I, you know, I've heard many stories about him and, and heard many fa- funny anecdotes uh, <laughs> that he <laughs> shared that he has said. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, so I'm, I preface that because I, I'm going to toss something in about, my experience of Lawrence, and then I'm going to, so Lawrence isn't here to speak for himself. And so I want to be careful about it in that way. But Lawrence in my conversations with him has always been someone that I found very sharp and astute, but whose judgment about the world and its overall value has, was made a long time ago. Mm. Um, and he is in, invested in taking care of the people that are close to him, but does not have a lot of patience for causes or um, arguments that uh, redeem the world's value. Um, mm. That's my that's my experience of him, hmm. which gives a particular kind of flavor to the conversations that one would have with him. Interesting. Whereas you know, I I don't know what my judgment about the world is, um, and and to and to be quite honest, I hope I don't render one. In in either way, I hope that I don't come to a settled conclusion of uh, of what I think the world is before I die. You know, that's a very insightful mm-hmm. observation, Travis, and it actually now makes sense of something that was bedeviling me for a while about a conversation I had with Lawrence years ago about voting, and he said something like. I, I don't vote. I don't care. Like, I'm not. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember going to the mat with him about this. Like, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? Look at the, look at the, the, the landscape around us. And I think at this time, it wasn't, it was actually pre-Trump. It was, um, mm-hmm. it was probably like. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it was yeah. like George Bush or whatever was, um, was in mm-hmm. the White House. And I thought that his position was indefensible. Um, I mm-hmm. still do, but now, but now it makes sense to me. 
Not, like he's just not invested in like this idea that you can actually act on the world to make it a better place. Like he just thinks mm-hmm. like, nope, that's not going to happen. Good luck to you, but mm-hmm. I'm going to be over here mm-hmm. like taking care of my business. I've run up against that wall with him a few times and with other people too, because where mm-hmm. you're trying to argue more idealism, they're more like, eh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. They're like, eh, yeah, yeah, well, which yeah. has helped me sharpen my sensibilities, but also yeah. like, okay, so how far are we going to take this? I'm only going to invest a few more lines in this. Do you know? <laughs> because right, 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 it's right. not to convince you. It's just that I like what you said, Travis, really about him coming to that, that sensibility. Whereas I'm still thinking about stuff. I, I have one thought and that it's, I don't know everything. And everything mm. else is experiences and they change mm. over time based on the information you get. Mm. No, I have friends like Lawrence um, who have mm. that sensibility. And I just, I used to marvel at them. I was like, somebody knows something mm. and they're serious about it. And they're. Mm-hmm. It gives him, as, as, as Seth said, it gives him a sharpness. I mean, there's, there's an incisiveness in, in his intellect the few times that I've spoken to him because of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gives you a seam on the world that, mm-hmm. that, that allows you to, well said, yeah. to, see, to see. It gives you a, a way of thinking about how it's made. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I used to be in uh, all yeah, those I, I, people, but I'm not so much yeah. anymore. But it was a, a naive eye. Oh, because mm-hmm. I wasn't paying attention to my own brain space and how I was mm-hmm. thinking about stuff. I was like, oh, no, that's the destination. But it wasn't a destination. It was on the way somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And where else? I don't know where else. Yeah. Um, so, Seth, were you about to, it looked like before that, were you were about to say something? Well, just that in talking about the kind of communities that we belong to and the ways that they, um, that we've grown into them and the ways that we've, come to understand our positions with regards to them. Stephen, um, specifically talking about the kind of colorism that you've had to deal with, it seems like, and, and Travis talking about like really kind of finding a way to es- escape your mm-hmm. uh, your immediate circumstances by going mm-hmm. into leadership. And going, like we've all mm-hmm. been sort of pushed Really, and me, you know, talking about being hurt by a, a, a bad date and running mm-hmm. towards poetry to find some kind of solace. Like, they're like, in some ways, like, we are formed by our circumstances, right? Like, mm. we are definitely, like, it's not just us. It's, it's, what I'm thinking right now is I'm thinking about how we are really living examples of the meeting place of nature and nurture. That there's mm-hmm. something in us, maybe that has always been kind of curious and mm-hmm. and and sensitive, but we're definitely, definitely molded by our circumstances. Yeah, I I appreciate you actually went exactly where I was uh, going to go with that observation, which is this is one of the reasons that I am ultimately suspicious of structuralist arguments, right? Um, right, you know, so meaning you know people, you know. Arguments that come from a position of society shapes exactly is necessary and sufficient to describe exactly who we are. Yet all three of us sitting here in this conversation had 
unique responses to circumstances that produced unique individuals. And, and of course, it's true that you can make some assessments and judgments if you grow up in a materialist culture. It's very likely that you're going to produce a bunch of materialist people that are, you know, uh, um, overly concerned about objects and status and et cetera. But it's not going to be everyone. It's not even going to be close to everyone. I don't mean like it's going to be like the 1%. I mean, it's going to be a significant minority of people that are not enamored by that. And that's true in, in every culture and every time and every place. And so the, in that way, you know, I, I, I find the conversation around community important because it's not that we're alone. It's that we find other people who, with whom we resonate. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And, and mm. and that um, and that is not something that I often think about, right? I think about you know sort of how I think or my position, what's my. But it's really true that of course, when I have these positions, I want to share them and I want to get some engagement around that with other like-minded people, even if they should disagree with me. It's mm-hmm. not that I want to just go off in a cave and have my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the community thing is very um, is a powerful one that I. I think of Marianage, right? Sort of the, you know, the, the Marianage, uh, or communities like, uh, what's the, there's a word for it that I'm, it's escaping me now. There were mulatto communities that were, that would form in the wilderness for escaped slaves, right? Oh. They would, to, in order to get off the plantation and they would, they would call to one another with these like giant horns. Um, oh. I think they called them abangs or something like that. Wow. Abang, yeah. And the, and, and, um, uh, it, what, what was that, Stephen? Abeng, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, and so this is, I mean, it's not that, yeah, I mean, these people would run off into the wilderness alone and escape from these plantations alone, but they would, they would go to find communities, mm. right? They would go out in, out in the wilderness amongst other people that also felt marooned mm. um, or were also on the run. Quilombos, um, see, yeah, in, in Brazil. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Stephen, so, please go ahead. So, we're, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Stephen, but I just, quick thought. So is this, podcast a kind of abeng yes for for me absolutely yes ah, okay. okay yeah i often think about why i'm here <laughs> just off and on <laughs> in terms of time not in a oh what am i wasting my time with these these losers it's more like it's a space to explore ideas mm-hmm. and I like the the community thing a lot. I think it's mm-hmm. necessary for me to breathe because mm-hmm. the other stuff is journal, like stuff mm-hmm. I'm just writing in my journal. I'm the community, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Maybe after I die, somebody else becomes a part of that. But but I like the exchange of ideas and I want to be pushed. Mm-hmm. And so one of the earlier things I was thinking about with both of you and myself was mm-hmm. the aspirational communities that we talked about in the past or the communities that we're part of, sorry, communities we're part of, I just want to be a better community member. So mm. I want to be a better artist, a better filmmaker, a better thinker, a better intellectual, mm. um, and to thread these these disparate projects that I'm working on to kind of find commonality in them so it, mm. it brings out the new, it's more nuanced in the work that I do. You mm. know, So the filmmaking informs the writing, the writing informs the, the film festival, the film festival informs communities mm. of people who are thinking about science in different ways, science informs, and then so on. Mm -hmm. So I always want to be a part of communities that are both safe harbor, but also pushing those definitions of what that community is. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because other than that, I don't want to be a part of anything static. And you, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that we do find that in our cultures that people find communities and they go, "Okay, we're all here. Let's just shut it down." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're done. Like really, yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like I feel like a lot, in a lot of ways that's precisely what I did not want to be. I mean, I, I may have subcon not. I would not have been able to articulate this when I was a teenager. But there's something about my parents that were that were they were just done already. They yeah, they they were they found the church they needed to find and they were done. Uh-huh. They found the um the news that they needed to find on TV and they were done thinking. Um uh-huh. and I looked at them and looked at the people they call friends and I thought Oh, I'm. I need to run in the other direction. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's that you know, community for comfort is is an important aspect of being in a community, right? I mean, we you know, brotherhood, sisterhood, you know, solidarity, you know, sh- sharing a meal, sharing a drink, sharing a conversation, sharing your time. Those are all comforts in any community, but in the communities that I. Uh, aspire to be a part of and actually Stephen what you said was incredibly helpful that I and I it actually helps me refine it even more communities that I aspire to be a good member of mm. uh, a, pr- a productive member of that community mm. um, is that and I've mentioned this in a previous uh, podcast that that they have acquired uh, a taste for the truth mm-hmm. um, and, and, and that the truth is bitter mm-hmm. and, and that, and that it is only an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. It is not something that comes easily or naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it has to be uh, developed over time, over many, many years. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, the, and the crude analogy is, you know, um, when I was a kid and I used to see my, my dad every now and again, um, go to the cupboard and get out a Budweiser and drink it. And I always thought to myself, like, what is that thing that he's drinking and why does he like it so much? I mean, my dad was not an alcoholic. He, he isn't. But, you know, he'd do it every once in a while and mm-hmm. he, he clearly enjoyed it. And I, and he, and he, and I asked him, and I, and I, what is that? I want to taste it. And he let me taste it. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, 12, 13, <laughs> something like that. And I thought it was revolting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> revolting. It's it yes, disgusting, yes. bitter and nasty. And it took me probably seven, good seven, eight years to develop a taste for beer. Mm. Yeah. And now, of course, I have it right now. I've, now, now I can, you know, t- I can, I can talk about distinctions among beers and why they're important. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, maybe alcoholic beverages aren't the best analogy for this, but <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, th- I think it carries. Space. I think yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I developed a taste for the truth as well, and I frankly don't know that I can live without it now. Like I, 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 I even got into, in this silly, silly, silly um, example, got into a conversation back and forth with someone on, I think it was like YouTube or like Facebook or something about Martin Lawrence doing something, celebrating some, they were doing celebrating something about Martin Lawrence. And I was like, and I, I responded, you know, Martin Lawrence uh, sexually harassed Tina, what was her name? Tina... Is it Tina Campbell? For years, Tisha. when mm. she was mm. when she was on his show, like for years, uh, okay. it was awful. Mm. And she talked about it. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And people were defending him, like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Why are you always trying to drag down the black man? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, it, and, 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 I, and, and I said, look, it, it's true. Like, this is what happened. And I mm-hmm. said, okay, so it's true. So what happens now? And I said, well, now we get to live in truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that don't feel happened. so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that doesn't taste good because uh, I thought it was supposed to taste better than that. Nope. <laughs> Flat. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, a long conversation today, part two of, of, of a long conversation, which is actually very uh, helpful for me. So, I hope uh, the listeners have enjoyed it. Um, uh, we'll continue our conversation with communities um, next week. Um, Steve and Seth, anything you guys want to add before we, we head out? I would like to suggest that we talk about death and community. And mm. have some okay. very interesting, All right. okay. I All right. think are interesting death. ideas about ways into that. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. Good. Okay. All right. Good. So death it is. Um, all right, my friends. I will uh, speak to you soon. All right. Cheers. Cheers.